This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Steelers Standard. I'm Tom Opperman. Kellen Gursky and Jacob Reck are my partners in crime. Juju Smith-Schuster wants back in Pittsburgh. And what are the Steelers going to lose with all of their potential exits in free agency? That's what we're going to get into on this episode. And like I said, Juju was recently seen on social media, guys. Go figure. (laughs) Saying he wants to be a Steeler for life and that he hopes to be here forever. And look... I'm not going to call a guy I've never met before a liar, but okay, yeah, I'm going to kind of call this guy a liar. He's a liar. He doesn't want to be a stealer for life. He just wants to go to wherever the most money is, and it's not his fault that his market is just overinflated no. right now, and he's going to get like a $16 million payday on the open market. Steelers just aren't going to pay that, and I'm not blaming the guy for taking a walk in free agency and taking the best offer that's on the table for him, but... It is a little patronizing to the fan base to say, oh, I'm going to be a Steeler for life. I'm doing everything I can to be a Steeler because you're just trying to set the Steelers up to be the bad guys when they eventually have to let you go because you signed for $15, $16 million a year in New York or something like that. And and that's all it is. It's just protecting that brand and trying to make it seem like, oh, I wanted to be here as long as I possibly could. It's just that they didn't want me to. You should be mad at them. And right. It's just totally not the case. Right. I think it does kind of stink a little bit of that. It kind of reeks a little bit of that. And that's not to say that Juju's a bad guy if he leaves in free agency, which we all assume that he's going to do. Because, look, if you're going to make 16, you know, $15, 16000000 million on the open market when you can only make, say, eight or nine here in Pittsburgh at the most – by all means, make the money, man. Like, I understand that aspect of it. I get that part. But don't say that you want to be here when you know deep down in your heart of hearts that, you know, I'm sure Juju knows that there's no chance. There's no possibility of him being able to stay in Pittsburgh, especially with the cap being the way that it is. And the point that I'll make is, you know, if you're Juju and you really want to stay here, you really want to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, here's what you do. You take a team-friendly deal That's exactly on one year. Minimal and, increase in salary. Yep, and then you know what? Then you can talk Maybe it no out. Increase. Right. Yeah. Then you can talk it out in free agency or next year the when cap the cap is, goes back It's going to explode for the right. Steelers. Once Ben retires and just the league in general's cap going up, in the next year or two, the cap is going to explode. You can get a mega deal done if you're Juju then. Right. If that's you, what you do if you really want to be a Steeler. Yeah, right. If you want to be a Steeler your whole career, that's what you do. You take a, a friendly deal, you wait it out, and then when the cap explodes, you can make your money, and then you're the Steelers you know, wide receiver. You're, you get your wish. You want to be a Steeler for life. But we all know that's not going to happen. He's going to get the money now, and I don't blame him for getting the money now. But don't say that you want to be a Steeler for life when that's your way to be a Steeler for life, and we all know he's not going to do it. Yeah, he's not going to do it. And I just I think it's not so much an ego. It's just a naivety toward him or of him that is withholding him from doing so. I don't think he's that big-headed. I just think he's too young to really get how this is supposed to work if he really wants to be here. And that's why I don't see Juju coming back, and I don't think any of us see Juju coming back next I mean, year. you say he's too young. He's really only, like, three years younger than us, and we all get it. I know. So, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, he's got to eventually get some sort of maturity and perspective about it. He hasn't shown any, any signs sign of, it, of yeah. that, though. Well, and, it's not a bad thing that the Steelers... 
Like, here's the other thing in the equation that people and fans of Juju need to realize. He ain't that good. If he was that good, then the Steelers right. would do everything in their power to try to keep him back on the team. Right. They're so, very comfortable with him walking. They're not really <laughs> moving mountains at all to no. try to bring Juju back. It's been all focused on Ben. We need to move mountains to get Ben, 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 Ben. There's no talk about Juju. The, the writing on the wall is... Colbert already has Juju written off this roster. Right, and when I said there was no ego, I I, I mean that. I don't think he he has a big ego, but mm. there's there's a little mm. bit of a there's a little bit of a a masking He's to him. Ego. He's got kind of some some goggles on, some fantasy goggles where he does believe he's a valued member of this team. But I don't know if that's ego. I just think that's him saying. I, I matter and and Ben cares about me and that should be enough. I don't That is true. He is a big factor to the team. If right. he was going to take that team friendly deal that Callan said, I would love to have him back on the team next year. The, the money's just not going to work out mm-hmm. for the level of skill that he brings to the table. So, you have to let him walk. If you're the Steelers, Juju's poor play and overinflated market almost forces their hand in this situation. It does. And Tom, you mentioned that, you know, Juju Um, When you look at his four-year career as a Steeler, it really hasn't been that great. I'm just going to read the yards of his last four years. His rookie year, he had 917 yards. You're thinking that's pretty good. Um, That's also with AB still there. Um, Then you look at 2018, he had 1,426 yards. You're thinking, man, this guy's going to be the number one. This guy's going to be where it's at for the Steelers. You look at the next he had more year. more yards than AB that year. Right. You look <laughs> AB dropped 15 touchdowns on right. everybody's head, but still. Yeah, right. Then you look at the next year when Juju's gone, the fir- or when AB's gone, the first year AB's gone. Juju had 42 catches for 552 yards. Now I know, I understand that Duck. he didn't have a great quarterback for And the he ball. was injured for a couple weeks too. Uh, right. He but only that's played still not that good. Right. He only played in 12 games, but he had 552 yards in those 12 games. That's not good. Then you look at last year, it was a it was a step up from 2019. 97 catches for 831 yards, um, and not in nine touchdowns. But again, that's not that good, you know. Especially when you look at his first two years when he had AB here, you you really see what Juju Smith Schuster is. He's a number two wide receiver. Well, he did, those numbers you just read, especially last year's numbers. You compare those to the numbers of Deontay and. Uh, Chase Claypool, they're all really similar as far as yardage right. are concerned. So he didn't do anything to really that separate himself. I was going to say that doesn't separate him at all as, as the guy that one. gets the fifteen yeah. million dollar a year right. deal as the number one, the leader of the young money gang, like Mike Wallace was, or, or excuse me, like <laughs> AB was when they decided to move on from Mike Wallace and give AB the big money. You didn't separate yourself, so therefore you're the one that's easy to let go because right. you're the elder statesman in the room, even though you're super young still yeah. as far as NFL standards are concerned. You're the veteran in the receiver room. You're at the end of your rookie deal. You're the one that's easy to get to walk. To right. Walk. I mean, he is the one that's easy to let walk because it's an it's an easier it's an easier cap hit with the rest of the guys. They're all on rookie deals, um, and this is the end of your rookie deal. And you really haven't set yourself apart from those other guys in the room. Now, are you going to miss something when Juju goes? Like he is a good slot wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. Yes. He, he, he definitely does contribute something to the team. There, there's no question about that. He makes big, big catches. Big-time catch in the Impact Colts game catches, yeah. when they were down 24-21, to 21, the final touchdown that put the Steelers ahead. Deep ball from Ben to Juju. Big-time combat catch in the end zone there. A lot of third and shorts. He's the one that Ben looks to to get some big right. yardage. There's a lot of plays last year that you can point to and say this is a big-time catch. There's why there was comparisons on the broadcast from Tunch and Wolf to Heinz Ward because – 
he played a little Heinz Ward yeah. game, Heinz Wardish game on the field. Off he's the tough. field, he's yeah. the polar opposite of Heinz Ward, though. Oh, right, couldn't be polar more, opposite. Couldn't be more the opposite. Heinz Ward Heinz takes Ward. that friendly deal this year and waits till the cap blows mm -hmm. up to become a Steeler for life. Right, Heinz Ward already has that deal done. It's not even up. He's in already the air. locked up. Yeah, yeah, and a cheap friendly deal for the next three years. Yeah, I just. But when you look at it, I mean, and again, I'm not. This isn't just to take you know to crap on Juju here. That's not what we're doing, but. When you look at it, like he is a guy that can go, and and you you outweigh the fact that hey, yeah, he we are going to lose something when he leaves, but you also have three capable wide receivers still in that room that I think can play right now. I mean, you could throw all three of those guys out there, and I don't think they're really going to miss that much. And Tom, that's no. illustrated by what you said that when you look at the stats and you look at the yards more in particular, there's not a huge gap in between. There might be in Washington's case because he was kind of the odd man out a lot of times. But when you look at the other two, there's really not that big of a gap. So you, you have to assume that, hey, we're not going to miss all that much, and we're going to save a boatload of money. That, and then I also like to compare the team to the 2019 season. I'd like to take a look there. The first year without Antonio Brown. People in Pittsburgh, people on the team, they weren't panicking when Antonio Brown left the team. They weren't concerned that the wide receiver room was, was lacking without him because the pieces around him were doing just fine. Now, as we outlined specifically by Kellen, the numbers with A.B. in the lineup versus not for Juju, yes, they're, they're drastically different, but it doesn't mean that everyone kind of stepped down in terms of their quality of play. I mean, we talked about Juju's impact, and he had a good impact. He was a leader to the team. Now, he the leading he did wasn't necessarily the, everything we wanted to see from him. I'm referring mainly to when Chase Claypool was asked, what's Juju's best advice he's given you, and it was something off off related to branding football. it was it branding, was, it was branding it was social sure. media branding so that wasn't great a great look for juju but i mean a, a, a b was arguably the best receiver of the past decade now it, he had a four or five year stretch that was that was comparable or at least you could put up against any other receivers five-year stretches as one of the best in nfl history and when the Steelers lost him, there was no panic button being alarmed that the Steelers have to do something to address the lack of A.B. in the locker room or the lack of A.B. on the starting roster for next season. And Juju is not A.B., so there really is no big reason to, to fret or to worry or to panic without Juju being on the team next year because, A, he's not Antonio Brown, and, B, look at Kevin Colbert's track record of drafting guys late in the draft – uh, at the wide receiver position, it's stellar. So I, I, even though we'll be missing Juju and an impact that he makes, it's not the end of the world. You mentioned how we all thought we were pretty set at the wide receiver position when A.B. left because we had Juju. Well, now looking back at it, the one guy that might not have thought that they were set, and thank God for this, was Kevin Colbert. Because look at what he did yeah. after that. James Washington, Deontay, Deontay Johnson, Johnson, Chase Claypool. Back he to completely back to back. restocked yeah. his wide receiver Means nothing. room. He knew all along, I think, or had a hunch that Juju probably had those numbers a little overinflated. Didn't really see him. I mean, Kevin Colbert's one I of mean, the best talent evaluators in the NFL. He's one of the Colbert, best GMs. Give him credit for drafting Juju also. The, exactly. But I'm saying he could look at Juju and say, I don't have a top dog right now like people think. I need to really resupply this yep. bottom of this receiving room. And he's hit it on Deontay. He's hit it on Claypool. I think he's hit it on James Washington. So you were saying that... We all thought, wow, they're in great shape to lose A.B. back when he left in 2019 was the first season without him. I think now, actually, you can look at that and say, wow, we are in great shape now at the receiving room. We can cut off uh, Juju. And that brings us to 
the next topic on the episode, which is you're going to lose a lot of guys in free agency or via cap casualty. What can you expect to lose from them when they make their departure? And that's what we're talking about with Juju right here. There's not going to be much drop-off in that receiving room as far as uh, I'm concerned. And this is a little bit of a hot take, but when you're trying to convince Ben to be more run-heavy and to focus on the run part of the run-pass option, maybe it'll be better to have less options for Ben to throw to and more options in the backfield as far as him making those decisions are concerned. And I think maybe that's a part of him being comfortable with, with the three guys that are still there. I know that he's thrown to Washington. He's got a full year thrown to, to uh, Deontay Johnson, a full year thrown to Claypool, but it's not that comfortability blanket that, that Juju brought him. It's not, like you said, Tom, it's not that guy on third and short, like, hey, I, I have to find Juju here. He's my most consistent guy. I think there's something to that point that, that you just mentioned that, um, you know, yes, they are, I think they're they're fine at the wide receiver group um, When if you lose Juju, but at the same time, um, you know, I feel like there's a little bit, I don't want to say that Ben's not comfortable throwing to those guys, but you know what I mean? He doesn't have as much experience as he does throwing to, to Juju. He's thrown to Juju much longer than any receiver on the roster. So I do think there's something there. And really quick, um, this is probably the last point that I'll be able to make on Juju, but I just pulled up the, the team stats this year um, when it looks at yards. Deontay Johnson, 923 yards. Claypool had 873. Juju had 831. And Washington only had 392, but he also had like 60 less, at least 60 less targets than all those guys. So that, you know, gives you some sort of indication that, you know, if he's on the field more, he's going to produce. Um, but again, that's just kind of more to that point that if you lose one of those guys, it doesn't, if you lose Juju, who, you know, if we're going to be honest about it, was the third leading receiver in terms of yards last year on the Steelers, you're not going to lose that much. No, you're not. And as Tom mentioned earlier, I mean, it's worth noting too that, Kevin Colbert, we, we outlined that he went Claypool, Deontay, James Washington. The year before that, it was Juju. Four years in a row, he drafted a guy that the Steelers fans and the Steelers team really trusted at that position. Back to back to back to back. Four years in a row, uh, Kevin Colbert hit, hit the bullseye on the receiver targeted in that year's draft. And, and I know, Kellen, how you outlined the numbers about yeah, he was third in this and, and, and fourth in that or whatever, but yeah, the impact's going to be lost, but I have no doubt that the, that the hole left by Juju will not, take, will not take long to be filled and it will not be a hole that is going to be something that is going to hinder the team at all. I mean, I just think Kevin Colbert really is the only argument you need to combat anyone saying, well, the Steelers should really try to keep Juju on because for the past four years, the Steelers have done a great job of getting a guy in the later rounds to fill out that wide receiver position. And yes, they've lost AB and yes, they're going to lose Juju, but really I don't think a beat will be missed in that process. On the offensive line, the departures are Big Al and Marquise Pouncey. We've talked at Pouncey at length. He's leaving due to retirement. Uh, he will definitely be up for the Hall of Fame in five years and might get in eventually. He's a Hall of Fame caliber center. There's really just no replacing that other than just drafting and hoping that you hit the draft well. But as far as diving into replacing Big Al, uh, this is a replacement, again, that I don't think they're going to have too much trouble filling in that hole because 
again, his play had declined. Really, ever since Big Al reached his peak, it started to come right back down the mountain. Like Once he hit his stride as being like, wow, this guy's actually a pretty good tackle. What a story. He was a wide receiver at Army, and then he was in the Army. Now he's bulked up, and now he's playing tackle for the Steelers, and he's a Pro Bowl. Ever since that, in like around 2016, 2017, I want to say, it's just been downhill from there, and he hasn't been the same guy. He's really been bad last year. I mean, just a turnstile at times. So you look at Zach Banner, Tomlin said in this offseason, you know, you're my plan at left tackle, Zach Banner. And I just think that there's just a really, really, it's going to be really tough for Zach Banner to come in and be any worse than Big Al was last year. So as far as replacing Al or what they're losing from Big Al moving on, I don't think they're losing anything at all. I do think they need to have Banner be better than Al. They need improvement at the tackle position, and that's where uh, I fall a little short on my faith with Zach Banner being able to come in and supply that in- improvement in play there. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree in the fact that it's going to be it's probably going to be pretty difficult to be worse. But like you said, he has to be better. There's no there's no question about it, especially beings that, um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is going to be the starter. And uh, we've talked about it at length that you need to change the way you play offense and um, you need to run the ball more if you're the Steelers. But at the same token, when you do pass, you can't do the dink and dunk stuff. You can't just throw it three yards down the field. Ben's going to have to stand in the pocket and drive the ball downfield at times, because let's be honest, when you look at the Steelers offense last year, they just didn't do that especially down the stretch when they had, uh, you know, they, they lost four of their last five. Um, they just flat out didn't throw the ball downfield. And the only times they did were one-on-one fly routes to the sideline. They didn't throw the ball to the middle of the field. They didn't throw the ball 15, 20 yards down the field on a post pattern. They didn't do that. Um, and let's, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I don't know if that's because um, that that's Ben trying to get the ball out of his hands. And, but I think part of it too, is that the offensive line wasn't giving him a whole lot of time to be able to do that. And that goes to your point, Tom, that the tackle position has to be better than it was last year because Ben needs that time, especially if you're third and long. As we learned last year, the dink and dunk stuff doesn't work to pick up third and tens. I mean, how agonizing was it for all of us to sit here and watch this team on a third and long or even like a second and 13 or a second and 12 and do that same play over and over and over again? And one time that really stands out to me was it wasn't necessarily a dink and dunk over the middle of the over the over the offensive line's uh, helmets. It was that that route that Deontay Johnson ran at the the first play of the game in Buffalo. That it was another short pass on a first and ten. Again, why are you why are you passing the ball on a first and ten is is beyond so many people's uh, limitations to understand, but. It was a drop ball. I mean, like, you're just not making life easier for yourself by doing that. And, of course, we always say the backbone of every offense is the offensive line. So, absolutely, that's that's going to be an area of concern. And it has nothing to do with the lack of opportun- or lack of, of talent, rather, that was there last year. It has everything to do with how are you going to make it – how are you going to make life easier for Ben's last year dressing up for this team? Bud Dupree, obviously, is a big departure, probably the biggest departure from the Steelers' offseason. Replacing him will be the rookie Alex Highsmith. He showed some flashes when he filled in for Bud last year. That's the spot where you need the most out of, uh, and I think you have a lot of potential there with Alex Highsmith, but you're going to lose, Kellen, what you said, that guy on the other side of T.J. Watt that can take double teams away from T.J. Watt. And until Alex Highsmith can prove to be a problem – it's going to be a lot of doubles facing TJ. So 
hey, you'll be a lot of one-on-one, Alex, right. and hopefully you take advantage of that, and then the defense will be rolling and maybe won't miss that much of a beat when Bud Dupree's departure. But let's be honest here. I think that's a big ask of a guy that's in his second year. Well, just look at Definitely. Bud Dupree. Look at how long it took Bud right. Dupree to develop. Uh, that's a great example. And now he's developed into a Pro Bowl caliber, but flirting he, with all pro caliber outside linebacker. He did get a lot more playing time his rookie year compared to Highsmith. That's true, but now Highsmith is just thrown right into the right. fire his second year. So. And I don't know if and 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 comparing Highsmith to Bud when they came out there was no TJ Watt opposite Bud when Bud came in right there was no guy who was taking pressure away they wanted from Bud, Bud to be that TJ Watt. Right. of course they yeah. did but uh, opposing teams didn't give Bud right. that respect well, he didn't earn we, it exactly yeah. exactly so it, life wasn't super hard for Bud at the gate and unfortunately we didn't see a lot of production out of him so Hoping with the the added pressure or the added protection against TJ, maybe Highsmith takes advantage. We don't know. Right. I mean, that's the hope is that he makes the most of the one-on-ones that he's probably going to see. Um, and then all of a sudden the defense has to respect him more. But again, t- t- you know, if anybody out there is expecting Highsmith to be Bud Dupree right away, I think you're asking way too much. I Definitely think you need to you need to limit your your expectations on the kid. It's only his second year, and I'm not you know I'm not saying anything bad about Charlotte, but that's also where he played college football. Um, teams are going to figure out how to slow you down. It's about how you I... figure the, out the other way if you're if you're uh, if you're Highsmith. How you figure out how to beat that. The one thing I loved about the Charlotte thing, yes, it's it's definitely a small school, but the reason one of the reasons that the Steelers pursued Highsmith has to be the Clemson game that Charlotte played uh Highsmith's last year. Got two I think maybe even three sacks on Trevor Lawrence. This is the guy that everyone is saying is the undisputed number one pick in this year's draft. So yeah, for for a game Charlotte versus Clemson. I mean, you guys are, are betting guys. I'm I'm not really, but I can't imagine what the spread was on that game or any or anything or or what anyone was giving Charlotte in that game credit for. But Alex Highsmith got to Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's pretty impressive. There's an NFL player on the field, without a doubt, for Charlotte in that game. Uh, Hilton, Sutton, and Hayden. Now this is interesting because that's three players in the defensive backfield that played significant roles in the 2020 season. Hayden could be a cap casualty, and, you know, I'm starting to really suspect that he really might be cut, and they the will more move more on we, from him. The more and more we talk about it, it sounds like that's going to happen. It just He's sitting right at the top of the cap pile as far as how much money you'd save by cutting this guy. So him aging doesn't help either. So I, I think all three of these guys being gone is far-fetched because if you cut Hayden, then you probably have the money for Sutton. Yeah. So I think Sutton's the safest out of all of them because you move on from Hayden, you want to bring in a guy who's better at coverage. That's Sutton over Mike Hilton. So there would give Sutton the edge. Maybe you cut Hayden and you rework Ben's deal. You can sort of work a Sutton and Hilton deal together. And if they could bring Hilton and Sutton back, I'd be really comfortable with letting Hayden go. But if Hayden goes and they have to get rid of one or the other of Sutton or, or Hilton, then all of a sudden that is probably going to be the one of the departures other than Bud Dupree that the Steelers are going to feel the most uh, in 2021. Yeah, and I mean, that's not saying that, that the Hayden thing is a done deal or that we 100% know that is fact or anything like that because we don't. But, it, you know, when, when you're in Capel, these are the decisions you have to make. And, um, you know, you, you bring up a great point about those three guys. I think it's pretty safe to assume that you're losing one of them. Like that, you could Without bet question, you could bet them. your house that no, yeah. one of them is going to go. I think that's I think fair. It's favorable that two of them are gone. Too. And you're right. I think two of them wouldn't be that's too. Tough. 
That's tough them, to wrap your head around. Two of them wouldn't be too far behind there. I, um, you know, if you're a betting man, I don't think it would be that far-fetched to see two of those guys go. And but, I think if two come back, it's Hilton and Sutton. Like, I don't think yeah. there's a combination of Hayden and the other and two. And one of the other, one two, of the other two, yeah. I mean, I hear you. And, and, you know, like we keep talking about, when you look at that cornerback depth, that's rough if, if you lose two of those guys for sure. Um, because, you know, then it's going to be probably a backup that's elevated to a starter role, and then you know how that works um, throughout the depth chart. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably agree with you that, that Sutton is probably the most safe. And if he's your, you know, your your nickel guy, um, I think you can live with that. But it just stinks because Mike Hilton is is so good at, at those those corner blitzes and coming off the edge and, and, and timing up snap counts, and that's such a – um, it's such a different dynamic that a lot of football teams don't have um, a Swiss army knife like that. That's able to play the run and, you know, can play the pass and blitz like that. Um, so they are going to miss him If, if he does go, I, if, if you had to, if I had to pick one guy that I would want to stay the most out of that, I know that, you know, Hayden is probably a popular pick, but mine's Mike Hilton just because he's that Swiss army knife. He can do it all in the defense and, you know, losing him, he'd be the guy that I would most want to bring back if I'm the Steelers. I think all three guys, people would be sad to see go, no matter who goes. But this is exactly what, Kellen, you were talking about earlier about uh, needs in the draft. This this area specifically is what comes to mind first when you talk about what do the Steelers need to do on defense when they approach April, late April for that draft, is if you lose at least two guys, which is what we're expecting, then that quarterback position becomes ice thin, paper thin, right? They they are walking on eggshells at that cornerback position because if you lose two out of the three, just say it's Sutton or it's Hilton remaining, and then you have just Steve Nelson lining up across from him. If one of those two go down, it's specifically more so if it's if it's Nelson that goes down, then you have your stretch to next to nothing at cornerback. And will the Steelers address that lack of depth in the draft. You don't know, but that's something that we, we've definitely talked about at length before. Will they or won't they? Because we know it's an issue. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thank you so much for listening to us here on Steelers Nation Radio and for listening to the podcast at Steelers.com. And if you're listening to us on Steelers Nation Radio, immediately after this, go and listen to the podcast and download and subscribe that as well, uh, on our next episode of Steeler Standard, we're going to spin the wheel of a thousand questions, and it's going to ask us any question about the NFL. So we'll have a lot of fun going around the NFL in that next episode. Be sure to check that out. For Kellen Gursky and Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Steeler Standard.